the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 100. Recorded Friday, July 19th, 2013. Metric Laser. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. Welcome. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, with us, we'll start with ladies first, the lovely and talented AV Dawn. Her name is Dawn Mead. She works for Net AV, but she is a fabulous, fabulous AV professional, uh, regardless of where she is. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, also with us in, I guess it's hot and humid everywhere, but it's, it's exceptional because it's in Canada. And it's hot and humid. Uh, his name is Matt Scott. He owns Omega Audio Video. How are you, sir? I'm hot. <laughs> Jeez. But, uh, there's no, so much to do with like that. that. Have you seen your hair? You are pretty hot, dude. I, I was going to say, when I met you at Infocom <laughs> two years ago, I was introduced to you as, you have to meet this guy. It's hot Matt from Canada. <laughs> Granted, well, it was I, some women in AV that were telling me this, but yeah, when I met you, you were hot Matt from Canada. So don't <laughs> well, be I'm, trying, I'm just trying to live up to that. that that's uh, all I do. When I, I met I you, you're hot day. Matt. Are you kidding me? Huh? <laughs> so when I met you, you're hot Matt from Canada. <laughs> this is my friend Matt. He's hot. <laughs> Sorry, I'm his wingman. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm the short, fat guy. I'm his wingman. <laughs> that that disembodied voice you hear is the guy who's of the three of us who's shorter than me. Even so, I'm the guy in the middle. Uh, his name is George <laughs> Tucker. Uh, he is the engineering coordinator for World States. How are you, sir? I am hot. You, yeah, you know, you know that line from uh, Good Morning Vietnam? You know, what's it like in the jungle? Yeah, it's, it's hot. hot. It's yeah, hot. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's wet. It's hot. Yeah. Working shop life is uh, in a warehouse where we uh, assemble big systems. It can get a little toasty. You need a fan, <laughs> you know. Mm. Several oh, fans. George, I'm your fan. There you go. Oh, I oh, your number oh. one. This is going to be the cheesiest episode we've ever done. Oh, yeah. And it's that's saying something, now. dude. <laughs> He's hot, and you're, and he's your number one fan. So, uh, all right. In addition to our our topics of the week, uh, this is our hundredth episode, which is kind of I, I I said this off the year. I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but it's it's kind of a big deal. We've been doing it for a hundred weeks, which is close enough to two years to say, hey, this is a cool thing. It's it's our hundredth episode. So yay! It's three digits. It's three digits. It's we three digits. Now this is a good thing. Why? But we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> we're kind of a big deal. Nice. <laughs> Who's awesome? Um, we are awesome. We're awesome. <laughs> uh, we, we also we also have in spirit uh, the other member of our of our uh, of our advisory committee, Michael Drainer. Michael, say something. Yeah, those are crickets because Michael's a mm-hmm. punk. He he uh, he stiffed us this week. So so I'm just gonna... again not awesome. Not yes, not awesome. But he we, is. on the other hand, are awesome. <laughs> well, who would have thought all those episodes ago from a chance meeting, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, to bring it back, guys. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> bring you right back in there. See, uh, I'm, I'm like the guideline, you know, those little things on the uh, bowling alley. Just keep you right in line. <laughs> but uh, Do you no, see- seriously, think about this. That. We, our first episode was a complete fluke, and we and it was people who we didn't probably think we would go past twenty episodes, did we? I didn't think I'd go past one, but that's another issue. <laughs> no, I mean it was it was cool. So it, it did. If you've never heard the story, um, oddly enough, in two thousand one radio station, yeah, two thousand one. Two thousand. I was working in in W in in Cincinnati. You know, sorry. <laughs> It's a WKRP <laughs> reference. Um, no, I, I, I was on Google. This is actually a Google Plus, a Google Plus story, a Google Plus success story. Um, doing the hangout with, with Rich Somebody Fergoza. write this down because it's one of like three. With Rich Fergoza <laughs> and Bradford <laughs> so Ben. Bad. And uh, I had wanted to do a podcast for a while. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, 
Um, I'm not a great engineer, but I'm a, a semi-decent one. And I'm like, I could do this and that and this and that. And I put up on Google Plus and on Twitter, hey, I'm going to do a podcast for AV. And George is like, ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. And <laughs> you know, I knew George you know, kind of not offhandedly, just just through the AV tweets. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, awesome, groovy. And uh, our good friend Linda said, Friendbees also joined us. And, and Michael, uh, when he wasn't a big deal, um, was, was, you know, he also <laughs> joined us that, that he is so going to hate this one. Um, but we did it in the, in the studio of the, uh, the college radio station that, that I teach at, uh, part time. And yeah. And the second episode was actually Matt Scott and, uh, and, and Johnny Moda. And that's where bring out your dead came from. Cause that's back when, when Creston was doing their, their, uh, their analog, uh, turn in your, uh, mm-hmm. their, their thing. And so, yeah. When we totally got to geek out on our favorite Monty Python line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yes. So. yes. I think we could do an entire show just based on the Monty Python lines. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everything from the life of Oh, Ryan. no, no, no. Then it would turn into one of those AOL chat rooms. And maybe you're too young to be listening to, to have known this. That was terrifying, I have to say. To pop into an AOL chat room, and that's all that's going on. George, <laughs> the fact that you referenced an AOL yeah. chat room is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so yeah, so that that's how AV a- 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 Week started. Um, I think I picked the name because I couldn't. Uh, I I I have a lot of of respect for this week in tech, and this is kind of the the with the the, the uh, format was was borrowed from. But I didn't want to call it this week in AV in respect to them. So this was the the next best thing that I could I could come up with. Um, so yeah, so there you go. And it's been a wonderful thing. It has been a wonderful thing. I, I have I been to, very, very pleased to, to be a part of it. I got to meet you guys, and Matt immediately started working on the website because he hated it. And <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, the scolding we got, Tim, on that one. Oh Lord, what, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that? What is that? What is? Had what are you seen it? <laughs> or just the back end? <laughs> I, I'm guessing it was just the back end. No, I, how do you how do you test this live? I don't think we can test this live. No, 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 it's out there. We just, we, we can only see the back. We don't know that it actually could be pretty from the front. Oh, stop it. All right, let's <laughs> let's move on to the actual news now that we've spent five minutes navel-gazing. Uh, from AV Network, and I, I use avnetwork.com, but I could have used probably any any AV publication and, and some mainstream ones. Um, this week we had the passing of an industry legend, and, and, and people may, may or may not... Um, agree with that moniker, but I'm going to give it to him. The man spent 50 years, for crying out loud, um, it, with his head up a, uh, up a speaker trying to make things better, uh, you know, to, to him and the way he thought. His name was Dr. Bose. <laughs> and, you know, Amar, Amar, Amar Bose, um, he did some interesting things with speakers. Um, George, is this... When, when everything is said and done, and you know we can argue about whether or not both speakers are top of the line, middle of the line, whatever they are, what will, not history in general, but what will the AV industry say about Dr. Bose? Oh, I think they'll say a lot of things. Some of it's probably not printable in a oh, family. Thing. But, uh, no, but from my personal opinion, I, look, I have a wave radio at home. What he did was say, you know what, guys? Those hi-fi magazines, there's a lot of hokum going on over there. And it was true. There was a large vocabulary being used that really didn't mean anything. And when you actually listen to it based on specs, it was a bad thing. And he said, look, I can probably do something here based on psychoacoustics and say I can make it sound good. Now, is this the penultimate or the ultimate even? No, it's not even the penultimate. But he made a series of systems that made people happy. And audiophiles and the golden ears can chirp all they want about whether or not that was, in the end, a truism. He still does, and the company still does, make products that people find in the, auto, in the audible world nice. And they're happy with it. This is not even a case, in my opinion, of saying MP3 versus vinyl. Although he was an arbiter of the, some of the MP3s coming out saying we can make this sound good because it gives us room to make compression. So in my mind, he's somebody who, at one hand, exposed a lot of hokum going on and introduced a way of listening 
that may or may not be the best thing in the world, but actually made people happy and gave them a chance to listen to something better than what they were currently able to buy and or think was the best. Well, one of the one of the things I would add to that is that the other thing that he did that was so phenomenal, really, is he was one of the first and correct me if I'm wrong, but he was one of the first guys and first companies to really market this entire industry that we're in. He brought it to the masses more so than anyone else or any other uh, company that that I can think of off the top of my head. When you you know mention audio <clears throat> or better audio to a lot of people who don't know what we do and don't understand our industry, their first thought is, oh, you mean Bose. And again, it, even, again, whether you like it, hate it, whatever, he did a very good job of helping to promote the, uh, the industry and, you know, get people out of that just initial bubble of what, you know, we considered possible for your well, average I mean, consumer. Yeah, and if you listen to the article, Matt, uh, read the article, I mean, he went into a Radio Shack, which back then was considered... A stereo store, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got my first speaker. My first stereo was a realistic <laughs> stereo system. And, you know, it was supposed to be very good. It at least brought the level of discussion up and exposed it to a greater person. I agree with you. I, and I meant to try to insinuate that, but you, you made it clearer, yeah. Well, and I think that, that for me at least, that that is what his legacy is. I mean, yes, it's the speakers, and yes, it's the speakers that, that everybody, even if you don't know AV, that's what they know. I mean, I, I deal with, with college presidents all day, and, you know, they, they've, I've been told more than once, I want this to sound as good as, as my Bose radio. And it's really difficult not to look at them sideways and go, really? Um, but it's, George is right. It's, are you sure? Oh, yes. Are you, are you sure about that? Is that really what you want? Um, but it's, it's, it's the, it's what he did was kind of take the wool off of, uh, what was happening, um, in the world of, in the world of speaker systems. Um, Don, for your part, what, what were the, uh, the history, what will history say about, uh, about Dr. Bose when everything is said and done? Well, I definitely agree with Matt. I mean, one of his biggest contributions was the the just leap forward in marketing for the AV industry that he provided. Um, you know, like you said, you mentioned high-end audio to a lot of people outside of the industry, and the first thing they say is Bose. Um, I think another point that he's going to be remembered for is he arguably could be considered sort of the father of the modern push for home theaters mm. because I don't recall... A ton. I mean, there were always one or two, you know, uber, you know, cinema geeks that, that wanted the best system at home. And you had your stereo geeks that went to like stereo discounters in those places to set up the perfect hi-fi. But an actual home theater with surround sound and everything, those really didn't gain prominence until the Bose things came out and the Bose stores started to come out. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we can have that at home. We, we can put that in and we can have experience this in our living room, really? And, and, you know, I mean, it may just be a coincidence of the rise of Bose at the same time as the rise for the need for home theater, but I think they sort of go hand in hand and he'll be remembered tied into that in the future. Yeah, and that's, the, George mentioned this off um, a little bit ago, but um, I don't know if it was off the air or not, but he's also the anti-monster uh, people. I mean, he was so not, um, how do I put this? Sue happy <laughs> when it comes to you know other people because you know there there were I mean once somebody like him uh, comes out with something there are going to be competitors there are going to be imitators there are going to be people who try to undercut him with this that and the other and you know he was just not that guy he was you know for all intents and purposes was a very nice gentleman who also happened to have a doctorate from MIT for crying out loud so. <laughs> What's that worth today? Nothing, I tell you. You get, you know, that and 10 bucks <laughs> and you can get a cup of coffee at Starbucks, so. Yeah, exactly. You can you can fix the Starbucks machine. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, you know, he he doesn't always have a nice. I mean, he did go after the a couple of reviewers in, in core. Uh, what was it uh, Consumer Reports? The article mentions. I mean, so he did, but he never did it in a way that made you think this was his business model or that this was the way he was going to achieve success. It was a 
we really feel we've been wronged here, so we're going to fight it. And they took, what is it, 14 years, I think it took? I'm looking through the audio. Yeah, 14 years for it to weed its way through the court system. That's yep. patience. It, it is, but it wasn't, you know, you, you guys know what I mean when I say the, the monster-ish things where, you know. We know who you're referring to. <laughs> monster. No, monster cable. You know, it's where the, anybody with, with the, the, you know, the M-O-N, and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to sue somebody. So. Mm. so well, every time we mention that, I do tell people to go find Blue Jeans Cable and find uh, the, the Monster Cable versus Blue Jeans section of their website. It details the entire thread of emails and letters. Yep. How he successfully pushed them aside and said, go ahead, prove it. Yeah. And we haven't heard from them since, have we? No. no I don't I think just... we'll ever have Noel Lee on this show, will we? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm not. No. <laughs> but if he is, I want to be there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think the chances are about as good as us having Andrew on the show from... Yeah, well. Who's that? <laughs> Who that? Who that? Mr. Mr. Edwards. Mr. Edwards, yeah. He won't... No, no, that company doesn't show up on trade shows. So I have no idea. They don't show up on trade shows. They don't show up on... No, they show up on podcasts, just not this one. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from Technology Tell. Thunderbolt is losing favor with PC makers. If you don't know what Thunderbolt is, well... Thunder. Thunder. Eh, it's not Firewire. It's not DVI, but it might as well be. Uh, it's, uh, it's... Pretty much. It's, it's Apple's new connector. And well, not, it's not new. It's their latest connector. It's been connect. around for it's a while. Their la- can I say it's their latest connector? Yes. Okay. It's their latest connector, <laughs> and it's not going anywhere except for Apple. Um, Mr. Appleboy, uh, Matt Scott, <laughs> um, is there a reason? I mean, wh- why, why is, is Thunderbolt losing favor and, and why is Apple, um, holding on to it for dear life? Well, two things. One, uh, it's losing favor because USB three, which wasn't out when fire or sorry, when, Thunderbolt. when Thunderbolt, uh, originally came out. Um, it was just USB 2, but, you know, it's losing ground because speed tests are showing that you can, you know, transfer the same data rates, if not more, um, through USB 3, which is great. Biggest thing, USB 3 does not have the licensing cost that Apple has on Thunderbolt because it's Apple and that's what they do. Uh, so that's the main reason. The other side of it is that Apple is notorious for keeping their own little proprietary things and wanting people to stay within the proprietary, uh, you know, sandbox in which they play. And there's nothing to that other than that's Apple being Apple. This is what they do. Uh, it's like their brand new, um, lightning connector for their iPhones and iPads. Could they have gone to micro USB like every other phone manufacturer in the world? Yes. Will they? Yeah, probably not. Why? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who knows like, well again i i'm a big apple fan as most people who know me know but you know do i like my lightning connection yes do i really care no outside of the odd time that my phone is you know about to die and i don't have a cable with me i usually don't have a micro usb either so it's kind of you know in that sense it is a bit of a mute point for me um the, the big difference, though, is that with Thunderbolt, Apple's doing some things that they're not doing with USB, i.e., you know, putting four or sorry, three of their uh, monitors together daisy chained and getting 4K resolution across all three of them simultaneously. You can't do that with USB 3. Is that a, but is that a, a piece of Thunderbolt or is that just the display port part of Thunderbolt? Uh, no, that's a Thunderbolt thing. Can't you do that with DisplayPort, though? Yes. Uh, yeah, same thing. Okay. But you're, so getting, the... you're, you're getting faster data rates, though. Uh, okay. Through it. Okay. And that's uh, the one I, thing that, that I, I really... It's, go ahead. it's Apple being Apple, All right. right? This is what they do. Darn... If you're trying to understand Apple, we, are, we do not have enough time. <laughs> no, we probably... I know we don't. Uh, Don, the, the reason I even bring this up is the fact that I even... When, when it was kind of, it wasn't ever really HDMI versus DisplayPort, let's be honest, because the PC makers and the, and the, and the um, uh, consumer electronics people, they were in HDMI's back pocket almost from the word go. 
but when DisplayPort was being introduced, I was very, uh, at least hopeful, that we would have something that had a locking connector. Um, that still did, you know, <laughs> I know, I'm silly. Um, so is this kind of the last gasps of not just DisplayPort, but something other than HDMI? It very likely could be. I, I mean, I mean, you know, the re- the realistically speaking, for a lot of us that aren't eye people, Thunderbolt really didn't exist. I mean, you know, I'm a girl from Pittsburgh that's an Android user, and to me, Thunderbolt's just that cool roller coaster at Kennywood. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, it, it it never impacted my world. We didn't have customers asking for it. We didn't have people using it in the field. Um, you know, and 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 if you look at the numbers overall, you know despite the passion that a lot of i people have for their product like 70 percent or more of the uh world's smartphone shipments are android based and not apple based and tablets ios still has the edge but it's like 53 percent to like 47 percent or something i mean it's really close it, you know it, it it's inevitable that that something that's proprietary to their standard when their standard is losing or tied, is not going to stick around. Well, it's and, just sheer numbers. <laughs> you and, know what I mean? And on that point, Thunderbolt has nothing to do with any iOS devices, right? Which is which is the largest portion of uh, like installed user base for Apple products. It's their iOS stuff. That's a higher percentage than Mac users. And you know, again, for something that's proprietary pretty much to Apple by itself, but only on, you know, laptops and Note and uh, uh, Mac Pros and only the brand new one that's not even out yet. Um, oh, wait, the thing doesn't even work with iOS? Thunderbolt? They, they don't have any connectors for that on their iOS? Oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Well, that's no, even more ridiculous. No, yeah, it's on. strictly a, oh, a Mac on. Pro. Yeah, it's just, it's... Yeah, it, it's a MacBook Pro thing and... No, you know, it's again, an iMac it's, thing. I mean, they're they're well, the yes, iMac. Yes, yes, it's it's a Mac, like not Apple is in iOS, but all their actual computers. Yeah, um, it's strictly on those, and it's only been there for a year and a half. I, I thought it was a dumb idea when it was on the iOS stuff, but if it's on even a fraction less of that, it's not going to be around. It's it's <laughs> it's gone. It's last, I don't know if it's the last gasp of an alternative to HDMI, but it's certainly not going to be supplanting it anytime soon. Well, it, yeah, but the other thing too is that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily designed to be a replacement for HDMI. It does so much more than that, right? It's not it's not strictly a it, a video. It does. Piece. It's it, a data. It's a data transfer. Piece. It, it is, but it does so much more for that for a very small segment. So. Oh, again, yes, no, I'm agreeing completely. All right. uh, but I don't think I don't think it was ever designed, and it definitely was never marketed as you know an alternative to hdmi but see here, here's here's what i where I, I saw this going when it first came out I, I saw this as like you said it's it's a fast data rate and it does you know video as well and i went back i got you know transported back to the year 2000 when they started doing stuff with fire uh, firewire mm-hmm. uh, it was a faster than usb or SCSI or anything else that we could use at the time. And a lot of PC guys, yeah, you know what? I had on, on my very first video editor, which was a Premiere 1.0, I had a 50 gig SCSI drive. SCSI drives, yeah. yep. Um, outboard SCSI drive. Uh, but I saw this as like, well, this could be, you know, uh, the next iterate, not the next iteration, but but another version or, or another um, Firewire-like device that, that Apple has has developed. It's fast, it's, it's robust. And PC people and, and others should, you know, hold, you know, grab onto it, and suddenly it's like, well, no, never mind. Yeah. Well, again, it's you know, it's something that's been pr- pretty much mainly used by Apple, even though it was developed by Intel, right? And you know, again, it just it it is what it is. I don't know if it'll die for Apple. It'll probably take quite a while for it to die for Apple, unless they decide to switch everything to Lightning or something. Yeah. Which they might. Oh, probably. George, do you have anything on this one? Well, you know, I think that a lot of this has to do with Apple trying to innovate and trying to be, well, very conscious of, hey, this is the best way to do things. But in their standard, and I'm going to say this next statement with a little bit of trepidation because I kind of believe in some of this stuff. It's sort of like what uh, Mayor Bloomberg tries to do. 
yes, this is good for you. Yes, this is probably the right thing. But when you push too much too fast too soon, people get a little irritable. You mean like outlawing 32-ounce drinks? All of it. All of it. I mean, you know, in, in general, if you talk about that, yes, it's better. You don't need to drink 32 ounces of sugar at one sitting. But when you force people to... Yeah, well, when you force people though, to, to take this on and say, well, this is the only way and we're going to change it all the time. And then, like you said, we have one device we do only does one type of connector and the other types of devices only do the other connector. You're setting yourself up for the fall, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely you are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on from electrical contractor, uh, ecmag.com. Stick with me for a second because this is going to get interesting. Grabbing the controls, making intelligent building part of your business. Let me start this again. This is from the electrical contractor magazine, and they're talking about smart buildings, kids. Um, we're not the only ones that's talking about this. Uh, from the first line, quote, when it comes to building controls, don't be on the outside looking in when you can join the party. Does this sound familiar familiar to anybody? Familiar uh, and scary. Yeah. Uh, Don, we'll start with you on this because you were part of the Infocom 100 last year. And the whole smart building thing was a, was really kind of where they were going. And that's what you guys talked about. Uh, Crestron has the integrated by design, which according to them, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about, you know, because they've got the back net uh, connections and they've got the ability to tie into HVAC systems. The AV industry has been talking about making sure that we get a place at this table to kind of, you know, combine all of these silos together. And now here's another discipline, uh, the, the ECs of the world talking about the exact same thing. Um, are we are we too late or are, do we still have a chance at this? Well, I, I totally think we still have a chance at this, and I think we have probably the best chance at this, particularly if we're willing to play under the IT umbrella. Um, this, this is something, you know, the whole, if you look back at the convergence thing, Infocom yelled about convergence, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming for all those years, and a lot of people in the AV industry said, oh, convergence, oh, IT, whatever, they don't know what they're doing, or, or you know, poo-pooed the idea. And suddenly we get the Infocom this year and everything's converged and you don't have to talk about it anymore because it's our reality. And the companies that didn't make that shift are going under. Well, you know, this, I, I think that Infocom had a lot of foresight in 2012 making integrated buildings their theme of the 100 because it's coming. And the very fact that, you know, when convergence was coming, IT didn't really talk about us until it was almost here. Whereas we were talking about them. Now all the silos are starting to talk about integrated buildings and building control and smart buildings and making smart buildings green buildings and making green buildings smart buildings, which because they're not the same thing. And it's gaining traction everywhere. And when the interest and the know-how are all over, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not something that it's not we're saying the sky is falling and it's not falling. It, you know, it could be falling if you're not paying attention. Um, but the, the one thing that stood out from the 100 that we discussed, and this is what I firmly believe I've been trying to work with my own boss on it and my husband's boss at his integrator and as many integrators as possible, is if you look at all the disciplines, your facilities guys, your heating and air conditioning guys, your electrical guys, um, the IT people, the AV people, all of these separate silos that are involved in building management and building operations for any business, what of those groups is used to taking disparate systems and making them work together? That's what we're talking about with smart building integration. Yep. Smart building integration is taking the AV thing and the IT thing and the, the, the air conditioning and the, the lighting and, the, and the, you know, whatever else you have running in your building and making it all communicate. That's what we do as AV people. We're already taking the Crestron thing and the Kramer thing and the Polycom thing and the whatever thing, and we're making them all talk. We've already got experience in finding these weird disparate things and uniting them under one umbrella. And if we can bring that experience and work with the IT people who, let's face it, have the budgets and the ears of all the owners of buildings out there, if we can partner with the IT people properly and bring our experience to the table, there is no reason AV can't be at the head of the smart building charge because it's happening. I mean, this article in the electronic 
you know, I mean, they're, they're talking about ASHRAE codes and, mm -hmm. and standards, but, you know, BACnet exists, AMX and Crestron and a lot of these companies out there, that's one of the first questions I ask when they come in talking about a new control product. Does it speak BACnet? Do you have someone working on that? And most times the answer is already yes, BACnet being one of the building control languages that like Johnson controls and those guys use. So we need to start being aware of things like ASHRAE, like BACnet, like all this other terminology. We need to have people on hand that understand NEC. And we, we can't just relegate it to those construction guys over there. You know what I mean? Yep. Like if you're a smart integrator listening to us right now, you will find someone in your company or hire someone for your company that at least has a smattering of understanding of this and just educate the crap out of them because it is coming. And if you're smart and you leverage yourself properly, you can be at the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George, Don talked about, you know, making sure that we can, we, we are the, the, the guys that, that are, have the history of, of making all these guys talk together. But it so often is, is the problem. How do we get, you know, how do we get in there? How do we get at the table? Because sometimes, and I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, you know, the, they'll walk in the building and say, oh, by the way, we need a projector. Call some AV guys. Uh, after the walls are up and everything. So how do we get there, you know, in while, while the building is still on paper? Well, I think that's already happening. This is why all those companies like Crestron and, and the others and AMX and are doing commercial lighting lines, even though, like, AMX has been doing that for, but an Aeon. I think they got rid of some of them, but they brought them back. They know that this is important, and they're making relationships with these ECs. They're making relationships with these companies saying, all right, you guys are going to do the voltage work, but we've got the products to, to do it, and we're going to take it from the, uh, from the high voltage end to the low voltage end. And that relationship is something that they, they, they do want, these ECs. I mean, point in case, in the bottom of this article, there's a summation in which it says, in some ways, installing today's lighting and other building control systems is easier than ever. Quote, I see more plug-and-play style systems to, do, to, to a degree where I wonder if this is becoming low voltage work. End quote. Yep. That means that they don't want to do the low voltage work, and a lot of it's becoming that. So I think this really is an internal debate. There's a duality or a dichotomy in this article of, yes, you should go after it and be part of this process, but guess what? Yeah, most of that's not going to be in your hands anyway. So they you know, are going to take what they can take. Does this mean, though, in the end, I guess, that these companies are looking to become low voltage companies and expand subdivisions? I don't know, but most of these high voltage ECs, I don't think, want anything to do with that. The count's not high enough for them. So you don't think that they're they're looking to get into controlling the entire building? I think they're looking to have a say in it and to be able to say we're the ones who are going to install, if not sell the fixtures, and do all the high voltage work. But I don't really read from this that they really want that side of it. There's too many nuances and complexities that I don't think many of them are really prepared to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, when it comes to both residential and, and uh, we'll, we'll stick with residential because when it comes to the houses of worship, um, I've actually tried to wrap my brain around that one a couple times for my own, uh, my own local church here. And, and I've stopped cause it hurts, uh, doing whole building control for churches. Cause there's a whole lot of things going on. Not only do you have, you know, commercial lighting, you've also got, you know, professional and stage lighting and all kinds of weird things. Um, yeah, it's a big. Yeah, it's a ball of wax. It it's is. a very big ball of wax with things sticking out of it. Um, Pretty much. But when it comes to residential, we are at least I would say that the AV guys um, are also in a good position to make this happen, um, as well as in in the commercial world, because you know we are the ones who are making you know everybody else talk together when it comes to an AV system. Oh yeah, by the way, we can talk to your your HVAC uh, and other stuff as well. Yeah, we we are usually comes down to uh, you know clients knowing that that's possible and understanding that that's possible. The hardest thing to deal with is that you know we deal with a lot of um, you know clients and and builders and stuff like that and they just do not understand that this stuff is actually feasible uh, for a reasonable p price point. Um, whereas uh, a lot of times that, that seems to come back to the fact that, you know, they've had bad experiences and or someone's tried to sell them something like, for example, ADT Pulse that doesn't really, really work. Um, 
so it's it is a growing sector. It's something we're not seeing as much as you'd like to. You're you know we still see a lot of people talking about it, but talking about it in the sense of oh, so I I hear we can do this. Yes, we can. Okay, but I, I don't want to look at it. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's you know like we come across it all the time with you know our lighting controls and our shading products. I I I heard we could get motorized shades. Is that possible? Yeah. Is it expensive? Well, it's not too bad. You know, it, it's fairly price competitive with with your upper echelon of, you know, window coverings, etc. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still going to call you know my designer to just do regular shades because those probably won't work. <laughs> no. it, it's it's a very interesting conundrum, um, it, and you know, honestly, being I've gotten heavily involved in our local home builders association and whatnot, and it's comical at best. Their view on what we do. What, is their, what is their view on what we do? That we don't do anything. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, it's a very, it's very interesting to, to see from kind of the inside, um, i.e., our our local um, association is doing a large renovation right now, and has five companies now. Uh, coming in doing various aspects of structured wiring, uh, phone systems, computer systems, security, etc. Um, opposed to using members that they have that actually do all of this, uh, ourselves being one of those companies. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking at supplying a TV. Wow. And that's what it comes down to. And, you know, like I had a, uh, uh, email conversation with our uh, outgoing president saying you know you guys are looking at doing vc in the boardroom what kind of vc are you doing and he said well what's vc <laughs> i'm like hold on you want vc i.e video conferencing and you don't know what vc is oh 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 yeah no well we're gonna meet about it and figure out what we need do you know what you need no can I come in and, and help you guys with that? Uh, I think we got it. <laughs> it's awesome. Go hang, go hang your TV, Matt. Yeah, just just hang a TV. <laughs> uh, well, my kid, my kid talks to their friends on FaceTime and, and Google Hangout and Skype, so I think so that's really all like, we need. Yeah. yeah. We well, did. no, no. The funny thing was is that that's what I asked. You know, is this going to be like just a Skype machine or Google Hangouts or something, or you know, are, do we need something slightly more? you know, proper. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we, we need, we don't just want that. We need something proper. I'm like, okay, cool. Like polycom, Vadio, what, what do you want? Oh, well, we don't, we don't have a clue. Again, mm. can I, you know, can I come sit down? No, I think we got it. Awesome. 220, 221, whatever it takes. Exactly. Pretty much. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, we don't, we don't mess with that. Yeah. Uh, and especially, you know, when you start talking, church stuff has to worship and uh you just don't see it yet no you don't and i think it'll be a few years before honestly most houses of worship see the value in it well and even in the even in some of the smaller commercial because again you know we do a lot of commercial we don't do you know big fortune five 500 commercial but we still do we do your small local commercial we still don't really see the need for it yeah you know they don't see the benefit they don't fully understand what it does and what it means when you do it. And again, I think that's that comes back to us marketing it better. Because that's when the electrical contractors do get in there, the ECs get in there and say, "Oh, hey, you know, well, why don't we why don't we do this?" And that's when you lose, you know, lighting control systems to uh, you know, a couple motion sensor switches. Because that's the same thing. Right? Sure. Just like, you know, Skype is the same thing as a polycom system. Oh, totally. Yeah. Identical. Yeah. Identical. Actually, if you if you take the polycom labels off, it it actually says Skype underneath. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Give it time. Microsoft will buy them. Uh, you're listening Don't to AP that. Week. Uh, that guy there is Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video. Don Mead is here as well from NetAV. Uh, George Tucker is here from uh, um, World Stage, and Michael Drainer is here from Sennheiser. Michael, say something. Okay, that's because Michael stood us up 
yet again. Mm. All right, moving on. Um, from our buddies <laughs> over at Commercial Integrator, I told him he would he would he would regret it. Uh, Integrator is missing out on LinkedIn. You know what? All three of you are really good social media, but only one of you is the new host of our AV social. So let's start with her. Uh, <laughs> um, according to the Don Kresge wrote the, wrote the piece on commercial integrator. A few com- commercial integrators go beyond the bare minimum in creating LinkedIn profiles. And he- here's the first question for you, Don. Whether you sh- you, should you... Should your company have a, a a LinkedIn profile, or should your individual employees? Yes. Okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yes. You 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 should have a company focus uh, a company page. Um. You know. And that was one of the first things that I did once they unveiled the company pages and I started on here was it was got a page up. It's not the best. It's not the greatest, but it exists and is in progress. Um, and, and you should have as many people in your company as possible having a page. Uh, the value there is, A, as a company, they can comment and participate in groups. Um, some of the groups on LinkedIn, and I didn't go through the whole article to see how much they were talking about groups here, but participating both as your company and as individuals can get you a lot of leverage in and outside of the industry in uh, building relationships, networking, that sort of thing. But also, um, you know, on a strictly personal basis, and, and I'm speaking as a former company owner as well, you know, you want your people to be on LinkedIn because that's where people are finding jobs nowadays. Yeah. And while we don't want to, like, have anyone steal our employees, at the same time, I would think it's irresponsible to, like, have them off the radar of anything, you know. Um, I, I just think it's, 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 if you're a professional nowadays in 2013, you should be on LinkedIn personally. And if you're a company and you want to recruit, you should be on LinkedIn as a company. And, you know, LinkedIn job listings are starting to replace even monster.com and newspaper job listings, that sort of thing, for hiring. And when you have a company page, you can tie it to your ad on LinkedIn for employees. Um, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, it, it's really becoming the place where on a professional level, people relate and interact and if you're not taking advantage of that, you're, you're losing out. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any other ba- better way to say it. No, that, that's true. And, and actually, one of the groups that, we belo- that, that I belong to, I think you guys do too, is Sam Malik's uh, AV Industry Professionals. And mm-hmm. he's told me more than one story about people sending him thank you notes because he's, they've, you know, people are, are finding jobs uh, on, on LinkedIn and in the groups and also just connecting with other people. So. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and several of you, know, you guys know this, and, and some of our listeners may or may not know, but, you know, right before Infocom, Mr. A.V. Don got his contract. He was working as a, for a contractor. His contract got ended, and with a week to go before Infocom, he didn't have a job. I put out word on LinkedIn that, hey, if anyone knows of a position, and I listed his credentials, and within an hour, he had three or four people from our industry contacting us to either offer support offer leads for him to follow up on or um, just to, to give him general encouragement. Yeah. And uh, he was employed, that was like a week, week and a half before Infocom. He was employed by Infocom and went to Infocom representing his new company. So, you know, poo-poo it all you want, but some of the, the contacts that you make on LinkedIn can be incredibly valuable, personally and professionally, you know. No, Absolutely. Uh, George, you are, um, you, all of you guys are good social media people. I'm, I'm not. So, um, when it comes to doing a, a LinkedIn profile, what should, uh, what should you, what should you start creating? What should be well, on I, your profile, I guess. That really, uh, the, the, the article itself concentrates on mostly companies, right? That's where the, the, the sort of lacking is. They put up this slate and say, oh, that's good. It's LinkedIn. It's good. Uh, and move on and never really actively grow it as, as we were talking about, as Don was saying, um, you really need to be engaging. It's like a resume. It's like a product trifold for the old days where you need to capture their attention very quickly and provide a synopsis of what you do. It's sort of like writing your your 140-character Twitter bio. (laughs) You need to be able to be engaging, informative, um, but not over the top and not understated. It's sort of a, a nice balancing act, right? 
And this is, I'm glad this article came out because there's been a, a raft of articles by a lot of AV people and a lot of, um, I think Lee Distad, I, I believe I'm not crediting him wrongly, was basically saying that he doesn't like LinkedIn and he doesn't go there anymore because it doesn't do something for him. But LinkedIn really does require you to engage, to go out and find the forums, not have it fed to you. Mm -hmm. They have a feed, but it's not, I don't know if Donald agrees or disagrees with this, but it's not the most proactive feed that there is. You need to be engaged on these forums. It's kind of old school um, to do stuff like that, right? Uh, no, it, it is. It's all, it, it, it is very old school. And, and I'm a big believer in LinkedIn. LinkedIn's where I've made a lot of contacts and developed a lot of business, not just for this show, but other stuff that I do. And, and I think it's actually better than Facebook and probably just slightly below Twitter. So, you know, you need to, in, to your question, you need to be informative and, and uh, attentive, and you have to engage. It really does inquire engagement. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a real quick question, because one of my connections just surpassed his 500th connection, his 500th, I'm not going to call it a friend on LinkedIn, but it's, it's a connection. Is that a big deal? I mean, is having, is this just kind of like, you know, the more people you're connected to, the better? Or are you looking more for quality connections? Who are you asking that to? Yeah, you. Okay. Um, and, and I'm sure that, Don can chime in on this. I think yes and no. It, it, if you attempt to do it like some people do what they call the friend collecting on Facebook, no, it's not going to work. But if you're very focused in what you're gathering, I gather lots of AV industry people. And since I do both live and install, it does blow it up. I have something like, what, all, just under 1,000 connections. Holy cow, um, seriously? Yeah, yeah. And not all are viewable, by the way. There's a way to do that. It's very interesting. Um, but I... I, at some point, can reference them by the industry and find them for a show, find them for an article, find them for information on a specific topic. And that also opens up all of the forums that I'm on that I talk. Yes, it takes a little bit of work, and if you're somebody who's really stressed for time, these things can be a little annoying because it's not pushing the information at you. You have to go seek it um, in well-defined areas, mind you, but you still have to seek it. I, don't, I think that is important if what you're building is a true industry network. Again, if you're just doing it to get names out there so that you can feel like you have more reach and everybody will read your stuff, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't even quite have 200 yet, so I'm feeling a little inferior right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt Scott, uh, to get started in, in LinkedIn, once you've got your, your resume up there and that and the other, how do you uh, walk me through you know, getting involved in groups or, or getting involved with other people, like, my, like uh, George said? You have to you have to go out and look for these things. You you do, and you know George kind of hit it right on the tail that it it doesn't feed you anything, and you know you guys know that as big of a social media guy as I am, not a real big LinkedIn guy, uh, just because I I find it overwhelming. It, it is one of those things that you have to spend a lot of you've got to devote a lot of time to it, and you really have to know what you're searching out. The, the biggest thing to do off the bat is, of course, you know, finish your profile, make sure that's complete. Um, but then, you know, start start going after those those groups and those communities that you want to start, you know, talking to. Um, everything from, you know, Crestron groups to, uh, you know, RTI groups to other, you know, manufacturer kind of based groups. Not saying that the manufacturers get involved in them, but, you know, they're... They're focused on those types of issues. Um, George is just showing off with 956 <laughs> connections. Good night. You're nuts. How now, do you find you? Do you know you all, find guests for all these shows? I know you're. you're uh, a magic. Do I know? I know. You, you live in New York. No, I'm too. not a rock star. Please. Because um, that's that's the big thing with LinkedIn, and that's the one. If I have one major turnoff with LinkedIn, it's the number of people that try to connect with me that I don't know. Or worse, have no clue the company they work for. Well, then just say no. I mean, that's no. The I do. Okay. No, 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 I do. But that's you know. I remember when LinkedIn was not in it, in its infancy by any means, but before it was the job finding behemoth that it is now, and you know, it was very big on the fact that you know you're really not don't connect with people you don't know if you haven't met them or you know talked to them. You probably shouldn't be jumping on it. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's one of the things I, I find with LinkedIn. But, you know, again, back to what we were saying, you know, you got to get involved in those groups that fit you. Because if you're just adding 
you know, random groups to hopefully, you know, boost your profile, that isn't going to help you much. Uh, I remember one of the first mistakes I made right off the bat was I joined a couple home theater groups for residential only to determine that these were, you know, pretty much DIY guys screwing around and, you know, modding speakers themselves. And not that that doesn't interest me. It does from a geek side, but that does nothing for me business-wise. Were they installing X10 controls? Pretty much. Nah, don't you dare. <laughs> you know, no, but, it, you know, again, it was that type of Ill. thing of guys hacking stuff. And, you know, we have a whole show dev- devoted to that. But that's not really my – that's not my forte. I don't jump into that space. So I had to get out of that uh, on my LinkedIn side of things and, and get more into – you know, again, the space you're in, and then it is, it really just comes down to, you know, finding, connecting with all those people that you've met and shake, shaken hands with at trade shows and at Infocom and at Cedia, because it, it is a great community for jumping out there and, you know, asking a question or, or looking for help on something because you know, somebody who knows somebody who knows the answer. And if you continue to build your LinkedIn profile, you'll find that. Uh, you'll you'll find those people out there, and okay. you know I've got a friend in Toronto who actually works for LinkedIn Canada, and she was sharing some stuff with me on you know because she works on the uh, the job finding for essentially headhunter groups uh, side of things, and she kind of was you know telling me some not privileged information but some you know information from her aspect of what what she does, and you know it's one of those things of you know, for for your for your career today and your career tomorrow, you're doing yourself a gigantic disservice if you're not at least minorly active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Twitter's great, Facebook's great, Google Plus is okay, <laughs> but you, you know, from a from a professional standpoint, you really you need to be on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. and if I could add to that, I mean, you know, I have over 500 connections. I I don't have the exact number in front of me, but you know, it's up there. I'm a lot less discerning and yet at the same time more discerning on LinkedIn as to who I friend, so to speak. Um, You know, with Facebook, if I don't physically know you, high school, college, you know, industry, very little industry, but you know, if I don't actually know you in, you know, real life, you're not going to be a connection of mine on Facebook. Yeah. LinkedIn, if, if I've run across you at a show, if you've just seen my name somewhere and, and wanted to get in touch or you've seen me on Twitter or whatever, if you're in the industry, chances are I will accept your invitation. But I don't accept just everybody on the planet, you know, and, and you get some and you sort of after you use it for a while, you get a vibe of who's just out there collecting numbers and, and you'll never deal with them ever in flesh space. And other people, like if you have a CTS behind your name or, you know, a DCM or one of those, you know, an industry certification, chances are that's almost an automatic yes with me because, all right, they care enough about our industry and know enough about it that they're going to go through the work to, you know, get the education and get the, get the value. If you work for one of the established companies that, you know, one of the big manufacturers or a company that I know, you know, in real life, yeah, I'll probably accept you. Uh, if, you know, if you're in, this one actually came to me this morning, if you're in Bangalore, India and work for an electrical contractor that, and don't belong to any groups that have anything to do with AV and never leave India, I'm not going to connect with you, even if you have six million followers or whatever. Six million? Yeah, yeah just, you know, whatever, ridiculous, you know, numbers. The entire nation of with. India follows him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like that, that's, that person's not going to be my, fo- I'm, I'm not going to follow that person. But, I mean, the, the key to it is is actually, like, like Matt said, you have to be involved it can be time consuming, but it can be really easy. When you join your groups, set it so that you can get a digest of the activity. You can set it for daily, weekly, what have you, periodically. If, if Not all your groups, because it's easy to join a lot of groups. Join a lot of groups, but only get digests from the important ones. Say your, your Infocom group, your CTS group, your, you know, if you're a programmer, your, your programmer's group. You know, whatever one's most important to you, get the digest sent to your email. And then once a day or once a week, you get an email that says, hey, these discussions are going on. If you see a topic that interests you, hop on, be active, communicate with them, you know, get involved a little bit. It doesn't take a ton of time. 
but it still keeps you active and it keeps you in touch with the people that matter. Um, from, from a business standpoint, you know, there's a lot of talk industry networking to, to get potential customers, join local groups. You know, I, I belong to one on LinkedIn called Smalltimore, talking about how Baltimore is a big city with a small town attitude. And it's sort of a group of professionals in Baltimore that just sort of network online, jo you know, join something like that for your region, join a college alumni group, join, you know, a, an activity, you know, I, I'm, I'm involved in pipe bands, so I have some pipe band people on LinkedIn. But you never know when one of these weird, obscure, bizarre connections, someone you went to grade school with or someone that you played in a competition against in bagpipes can bring you a big contract because in their real life job, they work for a major architect that's building a new college or, you yeah. know, it, it's incredible the way some of the connections can come about. So, you know, join the groups, get active. It doesn't have to take over your life, but if you're not doing it at all, you're losing out. Very good. I think that's a good last word on it. Um, actually, finally, we're going to wrap this up with one final um, story. And it's not, there's nothing really to talk about here because it's a freaking laser uh, from Gizmodo. <laughs> LG, who is, is quickly becoming, I think, my favorite um, display manufacturer because they keep promising me OLED. <laughs> but, yeah, Yay. Promising. Yay. Um, LG has a laser TV. It's a it's a laser TV short throw projector. Um wow guys. So here's the thing. Um Matt, we'll kick this off with you because it, and it yes, it's cool and it's lasers and all that jazz. Uh and we get to say, you know, freaking laser beams. But this is not the first laser thing I've seen from for display. Um, how long, how long before we really kind of get into mainstream with laser or will we ever? Matt? Matt has left us. No, I'm oh, here. Sorry. No, okay. Sorry. He was, he um, was firing up his laser. I was, I was, I was charging seven seconds. <laughs> What's Canadian? You gotta, you gotta What's rev the, thing? the other three seconds. <laughs> it's a metric laser. It's a yeah, it's a nice. metric laser. <laughs> Zing. Um, it, it'll take a couple of years if it shows at all. Um, that being said, we are in in the realm where you know when 4K was first kind of announced, we thought it was like five years down the road, and you know now we have models 50, 50 plus inch models selling for 8K. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really, all things considered, isn't too bad, especially can, especially when you think about where we thought it would be two years ago to where we are today. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to think that this is going to be about two, three years out, but it could be here faster. It, it's, it's very hard to tell anymore because things are accelerating so quickly. And it may become one of those things where this is hot right now. It's going to be hot for the next, uh, you know, 18 months. It'll be in the news cycles like crazy. And then they'll bring it and they'll come out with something else that's better. And we'll forget about it kind of like we did with the uh, inevitable demise of 3D, which is great. Yay. Um, <laughs> yay. Chorus all around. Claps. For this generation, anyway. Yeah. For this generation, yeah. yeah. For, well, for this next two years. <laughs> yeah. Give so them time. Give them time. Bring it back. George, what's what? the... Uh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, I was done. Okay. George, what's the use case besides, you know, looking really cool in your living room for a laser uh, display of any kind? It's bloody bright. Okay. Um, I don't know enough about it to give you that much of an opinion yet. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a diodes unit. It's enormous. It's, what is it, 30 pounds for the projector mm -hmm. and 70 pounds for the wall system? Yeah. Uh, I mean, from what I understand of this thing, it uses a screen that's multi-layered, so there's different reflections and different reactions happening based on how the laser penetrates and what it's penetrating through the layers. And that brings up a lot of possibilities, I suppose. But I'm not, I have to admit, I am not up on this enough to, to really be ready. And I, I'll have to say, with this kind of technology, I usually wait for Mark Shubin to have some kind of thing to say about it. That's ShubinCafe.com. I love his blog. Um, and I really haven't heard him say much about it. So him with the opera, those are the people that usually go, oh, that's the implementation. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't seen any, any chatter on it yet. 
Okay. Yeah. Don, do you, I mean, is this something where, because you and I are both in the, in the uh, OLED camp, uh, patiently waiting, or maybe not patiently. Um, is this something that could maybe overtake that, or is this just another one of, you know, this is, you've got, you have LCOS, you have LCD, you, you know, three LCD, you have um, the, the mirrors, and now you have laser. Uh, is that where this is, or is this maybe a, a, a replacement for OLED? I don't think it's a replacement for OLED. Uh, this is just sort of the next generation of like the rear screen projection TVs, mm -hmm. which wasn't a direct display. You know, it's a projection display, and that's that's all this really is. It's a it's a cool, bright laser projector, short throw, behind a cool, proprietary, layered, whatever screen to make a big ass, sorry, fancy TV. Which, you know, if, if you were into projection TVs, and a lot of people were, I never saw the appeal, but then this would be for you. This is the next generation. This is the OLED for you. This is, you know, projection taken to the next level or whatever. I, I mean, we're kind of in a spot right now until the 4G thing came or 4K thing came along. We're in a state with our industry that's kind of like, you know, we, we've created all the great technologies there's nothing really super magic. We said this after Invercom. There's really nothing super magical out there that we're looking at that's new. We're just in remix mode. So, okay, we're going to take those cool laser projectors we had a couple years ago at Infocom that looked all fancy and everyone going, ooh, look, and we're going to put it behind a projection TV. Ta-da, new product. You know, yeah. it, it's a similar thing with some of the other products we've seen. We're, we're starting to remix what we've got until the next great thing comes along. The next great thing could be 4K because it was sexy at Infocom. That's, uh, you know, I can't, I, the one display, the planar, multi-touch, shipping, giant 4K screen that I drooled over. You know, uh, that stuff's great. But even that, it's still like a, you know, a flat panel display. It's nothing, you know, until, until we have like singing, dancing, Tupac holograms in our living room, we're in remix mode. It so, wasn't a hologram. It was. Well, <laughs> and the other thing to keep in mind is, yes, it's laser projection, you know, short throw, etc. Most people that want a large format screen are either going to go with an LED, an OLED, or they're going to go with an actual projector, and some of the new laser projectors. Yeah. Like we sell a SIM two. M150, that is beautiful, and you can run it all day for 30 years. I, I'd much rather sell that solution than this. Right. And I see many more applications than this. This is exactly what you said. This is like, a, you know, it's a remix that no one's really going to care about. Okay. But good for them for making it. Yeah, I mean, good yay. for them. And, and, and again, frickin' lasers, you know. <laughs> frickin' laser beams. <laughs> All right, guys, um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, George Tucker has been here. Thank you so much, sir. He is the engineering coordinator for World Stage. Indeed, I am. Uh, where can people find you <laughs> and your and your musings and your writings? Oh, I am on Tucker 2s on Twitter, and that will lead you to all of the various and sundry portals that I occupy. Very good. Uh, A.V. Dawn, she is Dawn Mead with A.V. Thank you, ma'am. Hey, thank you so much. And where can it's people... It's been fun for 100 episodes. Yay! Yay! Uh, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter all the time, at AVDawn. I am on LinkedIn. Find me, Dawn Mead. Um, and I have AVDawn.com. And if you want to find my fabulous little integrator here in Maryland, it's net-av.com. And we would love to hear from you. Very good. Uh, and uh, Mr. Omega Audio Video, Matt Scott, thank you, sir. Thank you. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Omega Audio Video, at Matt D. Scott, at Matt Scott's Hair. Uh, or you can hit me up online uh, at OmegaAudioVideo.com. And the, the Bradford and Matt show as well. That as well. Which you owe us a hosting gig. I do. We have to hook up. We have to. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, and also, the, uh, um, um, Michael Drainer, the Midwest uh, sales something or other for Sennheiser. Okay, that's the last time I'll do that joke. Um, <laughs> no, but it's still funny. It is still it, it funny. It really is. Um, Every time it comes on when you introduce them, that's what you have that's to do. That's what I have to do. <laughs> uh, it, it, in a, a somewhat serious, and I, I won't take too long. Thank you, three. Um, and Yehu, because he's not here. 
Uh, for putting up with me for two years, um, these guys, uh, if you don't know, are the ones who are the brains behind this. Um, I just ask stupid questions and people answer them. Um, but seriously, thank you three very much, uh, for helping do this. Um, it's, it's fun, but it's, um, I, I think we're doing some good work. So, so thank you three for helping, uh, get to 100. So good for you. Yeah. And thank you, you for inviting us to be part of it. Yes. It's fun. Thank you. It's been great. It has been great, and we're not done. So it's it's not like you know this is the last episode ever. So it's it's um, I and think this is just enough to get that? us the syndication. Yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I needed this this week. This is it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks uh, on, a, on a personal and and uh, professional level, and it's this this hundredth episode, and with you three, this has been good for me. So thank you guys. Um, don't follow me on Twitter, please. <laughs> it's it's it, it's nothing but you know blather. Uh, but go by the website because Matt Scott did do that one. Uh, it's at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You will find this uh, very podcast as well as others. We have an education show, a control show, live staging and events, the fabulous uh, AV Social with Don Mead and Kelly Perkins from Vadio, um, a DIY show, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, we are on LinkedIn. We have a group. So if you'd like, you can join that. Uh, we're on Google Plus because I still like it, and uh, Facebook and Twitter. So uh, you can find all that stuff if you go by the website, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and the 99 before. That's all we have. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Mm-hmm.